Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast it's joe marino and kyle krabs we're your host kyle is floating around also producing this thing as the the co-host and the producer today wearing two hats chris schubert where is he nobody knows but we're, we're sure he's well. We, we can we can affirm that he is well, but he's not here with us today. Uh, we're from the Draft Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online, the number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And of course, it is your continued source for all sports wagering information. They have live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. And of course, you can bet on the NBA and NFL and college football, but they also have the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. we got a deal for you. Head on over to betonline.ag. Join now, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure you use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Pickle Day to you. Oh, you know, we just had this discussion in the TDM Premium Discord because we were asking, I don't remember what college game it was, but they had all like the Gatorade buckets and it was like broth. Hmm. I think it was the Alabama Ole Miss game. It was like broth, coffee, hot chocolate. And like some of it was obviously for players and I'm presuming some of it was not for (laughs) players. Like I assume like the players are drinking coffee on the sideline during the game. But somebody asked like, where's the pickle juice bucket? Hmm. And my question was, what is the best kind of pickle? Like, like cucumber pickle. Is that what you mean? Or like flavored within that? The flavor, like what flavor of pickle? Uh, I'm a big fan of just like the uh, the Mount Olive whole pickle, man. You know, like that's that's my go-to. I'm a fan. Okay. Okay. Um, don't you think it's weird that there's coffee though? Like. But I will say this: I I have a friend who is a uh, was a he had a, like a long career as a minor league baseball player, and he said he drank coffee throughout every single really game. All, every game th- he drank coffee the whole time. I always think it's super interesting to see like what NFL players show up to the game on Sunday morning with like a cup of coffee, <laughs> and like which which ones are like no, I can't drink put coffee like t- you know Tom Brady's like no way like I yeah. can't put that in my system like it's too acidic I need. I need alkaline water and that's it or mm. whatever else. And then you see some guys rolling up with like a Starbucks coffee with a lid on and wouldn't be it's me. just fast, fascinating, right? To all the, all the different walks of life that you see intersect throughout the game in, in every, every phase, including something as simple as do you drink a cup of coffee the day of the game or no? Yeah. Well, um, it's a, uh, it's a Monday here on draft dudes. We it have is. a, a, a wild weekend that was in the world of football, college, and the NFL, Unreal. and and 
we could spend a lot of time talking about all the things that happened. And so I guess the good news about that is, is we can kind of stay true to what we do. And that's talk about our dudes, the guys that really stood out to us. And through that, I think we'll get to a lot of the big moments from the weekend uh, that was in football. Kyle, for my dudes, I, I actually, I have two college dudes and one NFL dude this week. Okay. Very I have good. no idea what your uh, distribution is. I am inverted. I okay. have one college dude and, and two pro dudes. All right. Um, would you like to go first? Uh, I'll introduce my first one. All right. We'll be more than happy to. And this is the player who has me really questioning. I mean, we get these players that come through college football every so often, and they do this. Uh, but it, it has me questioning why certain rules are in place, and is it just because that's the way that, that we've always done it? I'm talking, of course, about Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., <laughs> who's not eligible for this year's draft. But Joe, look at the dude physically. Look at the season that he's putting together. And tell me that he's not physically ready to go to the NFL with a straight face. And tell me he would not be a top 10 selection and the first wide receiver off the board. Slam freaking dunk if he was able to enter this year's NFL draft. Yeah, I don't have uh, any resistance there. Um, that catch, man, uh, along oh the sideline, getting that that like inside foot down somehow was just insane. The, so Joe's talking, of course, about the body control that was illustrated in the uh, the game against Indiana this past weekend, and in, in which he makes a leaping grab along the sideline, and he's coming out of bounds, and his left foot's like hovering over the end line, but magically it levitates and the, the rest of his body pivots off the access point of like his heel that's out of bounds instead. And he brings and slams the right foot down in bounds as he is careening out of bounds and making this super acrobatic catch, just really rare stuff. And I kind of hate it for Marvin Harrison Jr. For the sense that like we see players that explode and have, a dynamic season, and then for whatever reason, extenuating circumstances or otherwise, they don't rebound off of that. I think about his teammate Jackson Smith mm -hmm. and Jigba, right? And Harrison is exponentially a better athlete and a better physical profile to the next level than what Jackson Smith and Jigba is, regardless of the fact that he's just a sophomore and not eligible. So, you, I mean, you've seen some guys that ha have come through and sat out a full season. You saw that with Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons and Penny Sewell. And um, I had at least one other good example. Javon Holland, Gregory Rousseau. Rashawn Slater, yeah. like a I mean, bunch of names that opted to just sit out a year. And they had the, the dynamics of the COVID season that put that decision in position to be uh, to, for that decision to be made. And you like, you don't, ha you won't have that, with Marvin Harrison Jr. And we'll see what Ohio State does. Maybe they make the playoff and they, they win the natty and, and like that box is checked. But I just, I wish it weren't such a hard and fast policy that no sophomores could declare for the NFL draft. I think you should be able to file some kind of formal request and injunction and, and based on what the feedback is from the committee exemptions, I think would not be a bad thing. 
because of players like Marvin Harrison Jr. Because he is different. Do you worry about like the the reality of doing that though? Like, how do you how do you pick? How do you pick who that a rule would apply to and who it doesn't? I mean, well, I think I think there has to be a floor and a threshold for what your forecast is from the committee. So you think you kind of put it on them? If they say first round grade, like goodbye, you can do it. You're welcome to do it at that point. I, I think if you're that good as a junior, and financially it's a little different now with NIL, right? Like guys have an opportunity to make money off their name, but I don't know. It's tough, man. I, but- I, just, I just look at Marvin Harrison. There's no reason that Marvin Harrison Jr., unless he wants to, and that's his decision to make. And he's got it well within his right to make it. But there's no reason why Marvin Harrison Jr. should have to exclusively play college football yeah. next year if he doesn't want to. Well, maybe he'll be the first one to opt out of a season where COVID wasn't uh, in your back pocket. And I, I think you brought up the right name. It's Jamar Chase. And I remember reacting to that decision from Chase to not play. And, and he was a one-year sample size guy too. Right, right. And, and the point that I – remember making was we, we saw him at his best. Like we, we saw what he can do at his best. Like, and it was phenomenal. And he was a high draft pick and, you know, looks like obviously that was uh, going to work out for him, but yeah, it's, he's one of those guys that makes you start asking this type of question. Right. So I get it. Harrison jr. Is a dude. Um, my first dude, uh, I have, I'm going to go with one of my college guys, um, to kind of keep it balanced a little bit. Uh, I want to mention UNC quarterback Drake May. This guy has been stud. Yeah, dude, like just insanely good all year. Uh, big time performance in the Tar Heels 36 to 34 win over Wake. He was 31 of 49, 448 yards, three passing touchdowns, seven rushes for 91 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Tar Heels punched their ticket to the ACC championship game. They're nine and one. He has been unbelievable. And I, I think that there's a lot of people that are starting to to get to this point, but we need to start talking about Drake may as a Heisman candidate, not, not just like a candidate, but like legitimately deserves a seat at the table when they get to the final three. I mean, this dude has in 10 games, 39 total touchdowns and 3,996 yards on a nine and one UNC team. I, I mean, this dude every week shows up and, and makes tons of plays. He's only thrown an interception in two of the 10 games, right? So he's, he's making plays and taking care of the football. And just quietly been arguably the best quarterback in college football. Say what you want about the scheme, Phil Longo, all that stuff. This dude is putting up numbers. They had their one hiccup against Notre Dame, kind of a really strange game. But, you know, you wondered what this team was going to look like with losing an experienced quarterback like Sam Howell and, and all the attrition that that roster's experienced over the last couple of seasons. They're as good as they've ever been. And Drake May is behind all of it. Is, the, is there a more quiet one loss football team in college football Man, in North Carolina right now. You know, as I, I was doing my research to, you know, make sure I had the bullet points to talk about Drake may and celebrate him. I had that same realization. Cause I thought I was like, I think, wow, they're nine and one. They're right. nine and one. They lost they Notre, Dame. Dame. Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. 42 to 35. If I'm not mistaken, was that final doing that, what they got to do, man. That reminds me. Did Foskey break the Notre Dame sack record this weekend? Oh, I know gosh. they played Navy, so like 
I mean, he needed half a sack. <laughs> Chris, where are you at, man? <laughs> right. I'm looking, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. So just bear with me because I am, I am wearing the multiple hats and, um, serving in a producer role. He did not. Oh, he's still a half sack away. Three games. He's got left, time. Yeah, he's, he's got there. time. Get there. He gonna get it. I'm excited for draft dudes. Alumni Isaiah Foskey set yes. the Notre Dame record for most sacks in a career. Um, what else you got for North Carolina and Drake may anything yeah, else? It's my dude, man. My dude, one if, of my dudes. It, if Drake may were stacked in this year's draft class, he, would ah, we're doing this, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I have to. I mean, I I think it's one of those situations where it's like you just have so much information on the other guys that it's easy to be like, yeah, I like this guy. Ten starts. He looks great. You know, he hasn't had the the same opportunity to have the inevitable ups and downs that come with being a football player. So, yeah, right now, a size, arm talent, you know, big moments. He can move. Right. right. Sure. Yeah. He's the guy. Right. Great. Yeah, because I mean, you you look across the rest of the college football landscape, and and I think largely most of the quarterbacks are either in neutral or worse that are considered to be top prospects. And worse, I'm looking at you, William Levis. That situation has got very ugly. And oh, by the way, you guys get to play the Georgia Bulldogs next weekend. So, you thought throwing for less than 100 yards against Vanderbilt was bad. Wait till wait till the Bulldogs come to, to Lexington next weekend because that one's gonna get real ugly. <laughs> I don't know how and to reconcile it, man. We got some time to sort it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of there's a lot of circumstances at Kentucky that are beyond Will Levis's control. But mm-hmm. I still think ultimately you probably have to play better than what he has, especially in the last month, to live up to the standard that I think we projected him to. He's still gonna be a first round guy, he's, but he's he's a much more high variance outcome player right now than I probably anticipated he was going to be because it's, it's pretty ugly at Kentucky right now. My next dude. I could speak confidently to say this was a player that Joe, you and I both loved. Oh, wow. What's about to happen here? This player is in the top 10 in NFL history for most receptions through 25 career games. You, are you aware of who I'm speaking of? Better not, you're not, better not be stealing one of my dudes here. Who's your dudes? I gave you my list. I, you better not be sniping my guy. Hold on. Because if so, I deserve to have this man as my dude. Where's your Where's your three? Ch- look at Look at our our uh, Discord exchanges. Yeah, no, that's not it. That's not it. No. I freaked out. I thought it was good. And then like you were like, oh, he got real territorial with it. Uh Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, okay. All right. We're back. We're back, baby. Go ahead. Talk all about it. <laughs> so the Bears, the Bears win a foot or uh the, the Lions. Wait, what's win a the stat? Game. What's the stat? I bro- I breezed over the stat. Amon Ra St. Brown yeah. has entered the top ten in NFL history for most receptions through twenty five career games. Yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. And I know you and I both really liked Amon Ross St. Brown coming out of um, USC. I know we, we both comfortably thought that he was a early day two player. He was not 
Uh, he was drafted in the fourth round. He has 139 receptions in 25 games. Uh, he caught 10 passes for 119 yards against the Bears uh, in route to Detroit's narrow 31-30 victory over uh, the Chicago Justin Fields. Fields is? Justin Fields? Sure. <laughs> Chicago Justin Fields is, uh, because Fields put on a another all-Superman offensive clinic with 13 carries for 147 yards and another 60-plus-yard touchdown run against the Lions. But, uh, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown, man, um, just a ball magnet. He was targeted 11 times. He caught 10 of them for 119 yards. He's a really tough, physical football player who I just have an appreciation for the, the very variance and ways in which he can win on the field. And he is tireless. And Detroit is a place that amidst some of their struggles in the rebuild, I think it would be very easy to let your energy and enthusiasm wax and wane or taper or whatever based on whatever's happening you know, on any given week. I'm going to Ross St. Brown. You get the absolute best of him. They, they get a couple guys like that. I think Jamal Williams is like that as well. And I really admire that about a couple of their players. Uh, but just wanted to tip the the cap for Amon Ross St. Brown, who I know is a, a brand win for both you and I for a pre-draft evaluation versus his actual draft stock. Uh, for his very productive first career 25 games. Very cool. Love it. Big fan of Amon Ra. And excited to see what he will look like with Jamison Williams healthy, right? I think that only right. opens things up for him. And I think we can all agree that there's an upgrade opportunity at quarterback too. So I think his best days are very much still ahead of him. My next dude is another NFC North wide receiver. Hey, yeah. Hey, this, this Justin we Jefferson. You are very obviously one of my dudes today. Just an insane performance on Sunday. Vikings big 33 to 30 win over the Bills. The eight and one Vikings. Everyone was wondering where the signature win would come from. They're, they're kind of squeaking away all these big fourth quarter comebacks. Well, they just don't stop, Kyle. They don't stop. The Bills were the next victim, and uh, that game that game was it's made unreal, possible man. due in large to Mr. Justin Jefferson, number 18, 10 catches, 193 yards, and a touchdown. I think this pretty much sums it up. This is from Next Gen Stats. Justin Jefferson was responsible for nine receptions with a sub-50% completion probability, the mm. most in a game by any receiver in the next-gen stats era, no other player has had more than six. Nine of his ten catches wow. had a sub-50% completion probability. This dude was a monster. And obviously, the fourth and 18 catch was monumental. Just an Dumb, insane. Dumbest catch of the year. I don't know how he did it. One of the greatest catches you'll ever see. As a fan of the team that he was playing against, I think this is the best compliment that you can give a player that you're going up against. It just felt inevitable. It just felt inevitable. There wasn't a moment in the game where I was like thinking the bills would come away with a stop because I thought to myself, all Kirk cousins has to do is throw the ball anywhere near 18. And he was going to come down with the play. And, and he did time and time 
and time again. It wasn't like this guy was just wide open. I get, The stat speaks for itself. He was making tough catches through traffic. And, um, yeah, I mean, good Lord. I mean, he's he's one of the best players in the league, one of the best receivers in the league. And uh, he's a big reason why they're 8-1 and one and, and a real contender there in the NFC. My last dude is uh, first-year head coach. First game head coach? First game head coach. You're yes, going to do it. No, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> I was like, brother, you want to get us, you can get us canceled. No. After all, no, after everything. I, I will say this. I, I really appreciated Bill Cowers. I don't know if you saw it. Bill Cowers commentary on the Jeff Saturday thing from the, the CBS Sunday morning pregame show. Um, talking about just how farcical it is that this was a decision that was made. And uh, you look at Indianapolis, right? And they, they beat the Raiders in Las Vegas, Brother. 25 to 20. Like th- by the time everybody listens to this, is Josh McDaniels going to have a job? Mm. And, and I know like we're, we're way hot and heavy and like overly hot and heavy on like, Oh, is, is so-and-so going to get fired? Because we've already had a fired coach and we're sitting here asking like, Oh, is Nathaniel Hackett going to get fired? Oh, is right. Josh McDaniels. Gonna, like, Brian I know Kelly. it's like, Right. I know it, it doesn't happen like <laughs> right. that. Like it's, it's very rare to get those quick hooks, but the Raiders lost to the Colts at home. <laughs> Under all those circumstances, after Under blowing all those three 17 point leads. They blew this one too. Or the 17 though. No, it wasn't 17, but they blew a fourth quarter lead in this one as well. Did you see that Matt Ryan run? Yeah, and that's part of the bone I have to pick with this game. Jim Ursay tells Frank Wright, you got to sit Matt Ryan and play Sam Ellinger the rest of the year. And then Jim Ursay fires Frank Wright, hires somebody who has zero qualifications to be an NFL head coach, and says, whatever you want to do, Jeff. Go for it. You want to start Matt Ryan out of the blue when it was kind of teased, oh, Matt Ryan got some first-team reps this week at practice. And then it was like, oh, if Sam Ellinger struggles, the Colts aren't going to be afraid to go back to Matt Ryan. And then you get the pregame, and it's Matt Ryan's taking snaps from Ryan Kelly in the pregame warm-up. Matt Ryan's going to start the game. It just There's just no rhyme or reason to any of this. And I know this is a dude segment, but like, we went down the rabbit hole and I just love to hear your thoughts because I'm sitting here just trying to make heads or tails of like, what, what are they doing? What this are they is, doing? you know, like we, we say this is a, my, my dude segment, but also it can be just like, dude, you know? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> dude like- doesn't have to be a good thing. It could be like, dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> can we do that? Should we do that? Should we can do whatever we like want. Dude. Chris isn't here. He, you know, he's, you think he's getting in the weeds, listening to this? No, no. He, yeah, no, he won't. Absolutely. So not. we can say whatever we want. Well, I mean, here, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to answer your question right now, but I, I guess I want to pin this back on you if I can. One of the part of the analysis that I've taken exception with this week isn't necessarily for the, the anger and venom that's been displayed towards Jim Ursay for hiring Jeff Saturday. But should we really be criticizing Jeff Saturday for taking the job? Because I've seen that I've certainly seen people saying that he's, you know, he's a, a contributing factor to this because he shouldn't have accepted the job to which I would say, because I was asked this question. I did a guest podcast appearance uh, on Friday and they asked me about the situation. And I said, I don't blame Jeff Saturday one bit. I don't. 
If I was offered an NFL head coaching job tomorrow and I have zero qualifications, I'm taking it. I'm taking the job. Like, I don't feel like this is on Jeff Saturday at all. I I respected his answer as to why when he said, I might get through eight games and realize I'm no good at this and say, hey, I stink. This is not for me. But I'm not going to back down. I respect that. Ultimately, this does fall at the feet of of Jim Ursay for making this decision. I I think if you were to find an individual person to take exception to for this, it would not be Jeff Saturday himself. And hey, he's want to know as an NFL head coach, right? Like, <laughs> so what? Do, yeah, what? Ha, what? What now? Right. He won a game. He did it. He did the thing. I mean, in his first, no drive. qualifications doesn't deserve the job. They won the game. Process versus results, right? I get it. Yeah. But right now, Ursay's smiling down on everybody. Well, let's see how much he's smiling down when this team's in no man's land again because they're going to go back to Matt Ryan and awkwardly win a couple games against bad teams. And now they're magically not going to be in a position to resolve any of the premier positions with young talent on rookie contracts that they they suddenly need. Philly next week, though. Philly. Philly next week, yeah. But then they got the Steelers. how many points did they might beat the Steelers? I don't know. We'll see if Minka Fitzpatrick's back. I know he he had a appendicitis, had to get his appendix out mm. just in time for TJ Watt to come back. Yeah. It's just been like that kind of year for Pittsburgh, yeah. really. Throwaway year. Right. Oh, you have a dude here, right? You didn't get to first year yeah. head coach. Go ahead. No, it's that's not who it is. I was just teasing. Oh, oh I, I was thought just you were teasing gonna... the Jeff Saturday bit. <laughs> I I do want to give my my flowers to Miami Dolphins general manager Chris Greer, though. Uh not even for the Bradley Chubb trade, but for the Jeff Wilson maneuver has just been a wonderful addition to the, the Dolphins rush for 195 yards against the Browns on 33 attempts. And that included kneel downs at three kneel downs at the end of the game. Um, so, I mean, we, we were right on the precipice of 200 yards rushing here and Jeff Wilson for the second consecutive week led the team in rushing. He had 17 for 119 yards and a score just on the ground. And I think the reason why I wanted to talk about this was because of what Jeff Wilson brings to an offense that's going to run play action passing and RPOs that Raheem Mostert doesn't and that Chase Edmonds does not. And it's pretty exciting for the Dolphins because RPOs are all about what, Joe? Conflict defenders. I have no idea where you want me to go with that. It's exactly right. Putting, okay. putting a defender in conflict, right? But if you have Raheem Mostert and you've got a half half year sample size of Mostert not being a player who can really consistently run through contact, right? He is speed to the perimeter, but soft contact brings him down. And if you are going to run those concepts, because that's where Raheem Mostert wins, your flow is more horizontal, right? Whereas if you have this physical player in Jeff Wilson who is smashing runs between the tackle. He had 99 yards on 14 attempts between the tackles on Sunday against the Browns. He looked more like Nick Chubb than Nick Chubb did, if we're being honest, for vast majority of the game, with the exception of Aroma McKinley trying to tackle Nick Chubb on the sideline. The urgency in which you as a overhang, um, hash mark defender, 
second level defender to say, I got to get my rear end down in this C gap or Jeff Wilson's going to run me over. You don't have that with Raheem Mostert. You saw the Browns were very, very committed to taking away a lot of the throws in the middle of the field. Hill and Waddle combined for 110 yards and one touchdown, which is, uh, I'm using air quotes, quiet week for them. Uh, but the running game with Wilson allows them to capitalize. And I think it makes the this offense more of an offense that says, you want to take that away? Okay. We will now hit you with this and actually make you pay for it. As compared to before, it was, well, we're still going to run RPO, but with Mostert, we can't run into even boxes and feel like we're going to churn out yards. And if we want to run what he's most successful in, the RPOs are more horizontal as compared to the vertical push that really puts those conflict defenders in true conflict to feel the urgency of feeling like they need to fly up in there. So really exciting addition for the Dolphins. Jeff Wilson, he's led the team in rushing both of his two weeks since the trade deadline. Uh, very physical dude, and he's got a great feel for pressing those gaps, especially inside. And um, he's been a huge addition and really interested to see what that looks like as he continues to get more experience playing with these players in South Florida. Did uh, did Agba get injured in that game? Uh, Taurus tricep. In the game, though? Yeah. Man, I thought you were going to talk about the foresight to know that that would happen and securing Bradley <laughs> Chubb to to hedge against that. But Chubb was a monster in his own right. But uh, excited excited to see uh, what the this aggressive transition in from kind of Greer's been very patient with his roster building, and now they've kind of flipped the switch. And I think that, that they're showing a very different mentality and a very different life cycle that this team has. And we've, we've loved talking about NFL team life cycles and how different stages of your roster and cap space and draft capital breed different mentalities. And seeing an individual general manager go to square one with that and kind of build it up and get a little time to, to work with the assets has been very, very cool. I wonder how much of it is Chris Greer finally getting a chance to like do his thing. Right, because it wasn't like Tannebaum for a while, and you kind of wondered about yes. Brian Flores' influence on it. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure Chris Greer is just doing his thing, right? Like, there's, he's the, he's the guy that's, uh, like, you don't feel like there's a whole lot else taking away. You know, it's it's just it's just him, yeah. right? He he was he was very much working underneath Tannenbaum as the VP of yeah football ops until 20 from like 2016 to 2018 and then he took over in 19 when they tore the roster down and it sounds as though as and this is just off secondhand reports but as as the three-year tenure with Flores went Flores started grabbing more and more and more of the say in personnel and um they've made the shift to to Mike McDaniel and um there's a very different ideology with how they've assembled the roster Flores one of his first press conferences in 2019, he said he was averse to having star players on the team. He's not mm-hmm. really a star player kind of guy. Well, look at what the Dolphins have assembled without Brian Flores. And I mean, you, you could try to tell me that stars don't make the NFL world go round, but I'd tell you that you're probably wrong. So that's helpful, man. Helpful to have good players. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right, what do you, let's do it. Uh, Brentley Weissman wrote a mock draft for us. Did you have us. another dude? Oh, my God. My apologies. My biggest apologies to Don't Michael apologize. Penix Jr. 
who I 100% had queued up. Surely I thought that was it. Uh, you ha- you got all yours done, right? I'm good. <laughs> okay. I'm, I got four guys in, so, so yeah, that's you what kinda, threw us you off. Kinda, you kind of did. Yeah, I felt like we were done there. Um, Michael okay. Penix Jr., quarterback, Washington. Um, he was I, – I think he was one of my dudes like earlier in the year where I was just really impressed with the early start to the season and the adversity that he had come – through right at Indiana four consecutive years in a row with a season ending injury twice an ACL tear and twice uh like a shoulder type deal and for him to take his talents to Washington for him to have the production that he's having right now he leads the FBS in passing yards so uh, for all the flowers we gave Drake May uh, Michael Penix deserves some some love there as well for just the, the insane production then Obviously, the big win uh, against Oregon, going into Oregon, 37 to 34 win. He goes 26 to 35, 408 yards, a couple of touchdown passes. He did have an interception, but man, that the the dime that he threw to to tie the game up late <laughs> was just perfectly laced yeah, in man. there. And that's what I've loved about watching Penix. I actually did his write up this past week for the Draft Network, so I I've had a, like I final a lot film of, study. It wasn't a final. No, okay. it was the last, okay. it was the last non-final film eval that I did. Oh. Uh, so I got, I got a write up in on him and, you know, I, I watched uh, four games of his from this year. And then of course I watched the Oregon game uh, on, on Sunday, but that's what I've enjoyed most about Penix is just like, just the way he's getting his production. It's a lot of throws down the field. I think he was three for three on deep shots uh, against Oregon. And he's been doing it all year, man. Just, just being able to see the field and, and get it to his guys like vertically. It's not a, it's not a situation where he's just feasting on scheme throws. I mean, certainly there's some of that, but I mean, my dude's reading it and he's ripping it down the field and, and really making some very accurate throws um, and creating a ton of explosive plays in the passing game for Washington. And man, you think about, you think about this Washington team in recent years and, and just how, just how boring Bad the and, offense was just a boring football team to watch, man. Like just horrible to watch. No, dude, not not with what they have in Penix. Some, I mean, I, look, he's not a long term wide receiver can ball too. Yeah. Oh, I can't even say the one guy's name, Onezi or whatever. He's really good. But um, Michael Penix, I mean, having a season, all the adversity, beating Oregon. That you know, the Pac-12 is one hundred percent sabotaging its own chances of, of going to the playoffs. Um, but uh, it's a pretty competitive group out there. And, and obviously, you know, this is one of the best storylines of the entire season, in my opinion, is Michael Penix. Yeah, kind of kind of neat to see him have the reclamation after he he kind of bloomed on the scene. And I think it was 2019, 2020 with Indiana. He started for four years there. He just yeah. never finished and any it, season. Inju- injuries kind of piled up. Yeah. And, 18 oh, through 21. Super, super athletic quarterback and and then he took some lower body injuries and he was there last year and it was really ugly so he transferred out and and I I keep going back to that phrase that that Jordan Palmer shared with us and and the number one trait consistent trait in in high quality quarterback plays confidence and you watch Penix play against the Oregon Ducks on Saturday night and that dude was confident with everything that he did a lot of swagger. And, yep. And it really stood out. And that was really impressive. Now. Now. <laughs> it's time. That was How's what that? I was thinking of. It's 
time. There you go. Fighting. Why does he have to say it like that? When he says fight, dramatic fighting. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right. Somebody clip that, please. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Chris, yeah, they Chris will. isn't around. He's, he's. We he's yeah, let's not tell him about see if he finds it though. Chris is zero percent chance he's gonna go back and well, listen. To this you episode. know what he might do because you know he always downloads and he puts it in his little mixer and he sees like the the size of like the audio waves. Uh, he might see that pop real big and be like, oh, what so? is this? Did Joe sneeze or something like that? Like, well, <laughs> did Joe I sneeze? guess we'll find out. We'll tell him, hey, it's clean. Just post it. We didn't yeah, swear. It's all clean. Just <laughs> <laughs> don't need, don't right? need to There's cut anything out. No explicit nope. tag yet, right? Right. Nothing well, in this mock draft we, should piss us off We can't do that. that. We can't do that. All right. We can do it. We can, we can hold serve here. All right. Let's family do it. Friendly, so, family friendly draft dudes. Good family fun here on Draft Dudes. Got National dudes. Pickle Day here on the Draft Dudes podcast. Amen to that. <sighs> All right. So how do you want to present this? Like, I have the list up. I know you have the list up. Yeah. It hasn't posted to the website yet, but we get the inside look so that we can record because we're kind of coming right hot off the heels of all the Sunday action. So yeah. can I can I give an observation? That's literally what we're here to do. Yeah, I just didn't know what kind of structure you would want, but I, <laughs> I didn't have the, any plan, the, man. The blessing here. Um, I'm really on board with Christian Gonzalez being a top top half of the first round pick right now. He's the first corner off the board in this mock, right? No, he, no. Close. Keely Ringo snuck in in front of him by two spots, but Gonzalez yeah. comes off at 13 to Arizona here, and Arizona obviously need corners, so it's a good fit. But just watching Gonzalez in general, and he he's really ramped up his his plays on the ball this mm-hmm. year in general, in the last couple of weeks especially, he's uh, really gotten his hands on a lot of footballs and made a couple of really nice tackles against Washington in the flats too, and run support and in the quick game. So uh, I made that mental note as I was watching the Oregon game to say, hey, next time you come back on around around on a mock, don't put Gonzalez in like the the last six spots of the first round. Like mm-hmm. he's earned that elevation of his, his play in my mind. He's been very impressive. I think my initial <clears throat> observation in perusing Brentley's mock draft here is, is kind of where we're at now with the first round wide receiver conversation where, you know, I, I, this is not the first TDN mock draft now that I've seen Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver from mm-hmm. SMU get into the first round of a mock draft. And then uh, maybe this is the first time for Jalen Hyatt wide receiver, Tennessee, but I've seen him in other mock drafts as well. So like, love him. Welcome with the to the Green party. Bay. These guys, the fit with green Bay for high, Hyatt's a really good one. Exactly what they need. Right. I know Christian Watson had a huge game against Dallas. Yeah, good what, for him. Touchdowns. There, yeah. <laughs> it's happy to see that for him, but like they're go, go get a couple of those guys. You you know the yeah. Packers more than anybody else. If you get cover one on third third down, they're going to run inside fade with a hitch outside, and they're going to either back shoulder it or they're going to drop it in the bucket. Aaron just right. it's it's an automatic check. We get one man. We're running the slot fade from inside. Has he ever had that type of speed, Jalen Hyatt? I don't want to be too disrespectful to some of those early Aaron Rodgers era wide receiver. I'm probably misremembering people are like wanting to light my house on fire because I forgot somebody, but like Hyatt's Hyatt's legit four, three, maybe. Yeah. He's a special speed guy. Yeah. 
He's explosive. Um, and I really love, I love the Miles Murphy to Philadelphia fit. I can't believe they're going to get a player like that. Psst. Yeah. The Saint, the yeah. Saints, big miscalculation, right? Big well, no. miscalculation. The Saints have been miscalculating this thing for three years. And everybody right, just but, wanted to ignore it because it was really fun that they were always uh, $150 million under the salary cap and they always finagled it with a bunch of void years and contract restructures for all their big players. And oh, the salary cap's not real. Look, the Saints did it again. Mickey Lewis is a wizard. It's like, no, no, he's really not. Because all his good players that need second contracts end up leaving. Guys like Marcus Williams and Tron Armstead and I'm I'm forgetting a million of them. But the attrition on this roster has just taken such a heavy toll. Like, even the last jaunt with Drew Brees, they weren't a good team. Drew Brees wasn't performing at a high level. And, yeah, this is what happens when you, and credit where his credit's due, usually when they make draft picks, they find guys that are good fits. But with just how aggressive they've been to kick the can down the road, like, you can you can keep opening up new lines of credit and doing <laughs> interest free credit like transfers <laughs> year over year over year, right? But oh. at, at some point you're going to wake up and you're going to have a hundred grand in credit card debt, and now your credit score is bad and you you can't get a new credit card to transfer six figures in debt to. And the oh by the way the the annual percent interest rate on that's twenty four point nine nine percent so. Like th- th- that's where they're at right now, man. They said we need a left tackle and a wide receiver. And we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. We're good. And we're going to win the Super Bowl this year, man. And now you're now you're look you're staring at a, I mean at, at least a top ten pick, right? Right now it's that's not to yours. The top five. That's yeah. not yours. And you're giving that to the Eagles, who you're going to be looking up at for years to come. It feels like in the NFC, right? And what's what's really nutty is like you could look back and say, oh, well, they should have traded Kamara if they had the chance and they should have traded Marshawn Lattimore if they had the chance. They restructured those contracts already. Yeah. So you really don't even get relief from from moving on from the deals. It's bad. Very bad things. No safeties in this first round, I see. Uh, Yeah, I want to be mad at it, but the NFL does this like every other year. Yeah. Um. We had two running backs, though, right? Is it two? Bijan? Yeah, uh, Bijan and Gibbs. Bijan and, and Gibbs, yes. I was surprised to see um, Anton Harrison sneak in there at 23. Surprise. Yeah, I would say so as well. The tackles, that was the thing. That's one of the biggest themes in this draft. Paris Johnson at six to Chicago. Fashanu at Fa- 10 to Pittsburgh. Yep. Broderick Jones goes... 16 to Indy. Jalen Duncan, 18 to Cincy. That's a good replacement. for Skaronsky, 20 to Denver. And then we got a spot for Anton Harrison here to the Jets at 23. Man, that's... um, That's... I don't see it for Harrison. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I think that's really maximizing the ceiling of offensive tackles in the first round based on the way I see it right now. Holy cow. Could could you think of a better fit than Brzee to Seattle? You know what? I gave it to them. I've been giving it to them 
in the top oh, 10. I love Do that you see kid. what Seattle, Seattle gets Jalen Carter and Brian Breezy. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Wow. I first saw it and was like, oh, is that a, did he mean to do that? But sure enough, in the, the yeah, commenta- commentary here, two defensive linemen for the Seahawks may seem like overkill, oh. but they want to build through the trenches and Brzee's versatile enough to move all over the place. They can put him down. Um, they could run bare fronts with those guys and Puna Ford or whoever else at the nose, Brian Moan at the nose. Like, <laughs> that's a pretty exciting it- group. If there's a single Seattle fan that yells at Brentley for that, I, I I don't know what to tell you. Oh, no. We got two slam dunk starters for us. Right. And this is a this is a Seattle team that just gave up like a hundred something rushing yards to the Bucks, who well, can't couldn't f- run on a JV team. To be fair, I did start Rashad White <laughs> this weekend <laughs> in fantasy. So, OK. <laughs> I'm not sure that you are you taking credit for this? Is that your uh, way of doing that? Yes. Rashad White's probably not going to give that back. No. But they had I mean the rushing statistics that for the Bucks in the game the 9:30 game this morning were, were like yeah, not they had normal more, for them. They had more rushing yards in the first half of that game than they had for like their season game average yeah. by yeah, like so 15 here, yards. Here's a couple defensive tackles for you. Enjoy. <laughs> right? Right. Like they're a weird group because they really don't go with a, with a lot of linebackers either. It's right. like Barton and Brooks, like yeah. predominantly snap guys. They like that safety to roll down in the box, so it's kind of tough. Like, you got to be able to win up front. It's a good fit for them. What's your favorite value pick here? My favorite value selection here. Like Fosky to the Titans. Fosky to the Titans is good. Uh, I like I like Trenton Simpson to the Giants here at twenty eight. Can we can we get an actual linebacker though? Like, and that's not saying Simpson's not, but Trenton Simpson's a special player because he's a hybrid player, right? Yeah, but don't you kind of trust Wink to to use him? I do. That's what I like about it. That's fair. I don't know. I just I I look at the second level there. And I, I know it's a devalued position, but I think you can look across the, the NFL to a lot of the top-tier defenses, and they've got pretty special linebacker play. I don't think it's a coincidence. I, I'm in on linebackers. You know that. Yep. I'm in on linebackers. Um, anything else? I think I see it every week. Uh, Broderick Jones, the Indy. Love the pick. <laughs> Love the right. pick, man. Right. Lock that in. Play him next to Quentin Nelson. Let's prosper. Jeez. Third is he the third offensive tackle off the board in this mock? Yeah, then go out and draft a right guard in the second round and do the Quentin Nelson Braden Smith thing all over again. They need to. Yep, they should. That's going to be their identity. They need to. They should. All right. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's going to put a bow on it for us here on Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, no Chris Schubert today, but that's okay. And I believe no Chris Schubert. Tomorrow, Joe. Wow. I, think, I think it's wow. it's just two guys being dudes this week yeah. uh, for the first half of the week. But that's fine. We'll 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 have a great time. We'll do word association like we always do, and and have a blast talking about all the action from the NFL slate. So uh, appreciate everybody for carving some time out of your day to catch up with us here on Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. Thanks for checking out the Draft Network. Uh, thanks for friends over Bet Online for their continued support of the show. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we'll talk with you all again tomorrow. 
Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.